from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Football fans have been lucky for a generation to get the sort of matchups at the quarterback position that can define rivalry. Brady taking on Manning. Is that what we're seeing now when it comes to Mahomes versus Burrow? Maybe. But even more importantly, has the torch already passed? And is there a new leader in the clubhouse as the best quarterback in the NFL? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're going to get to this quarterback breakdown, but we asked earlier. We asked you guys to chime in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We said, please, for the love of all things holy, explain to us what in the hail the Cowboys were trying to accomplish (laughs) on the last play of the game. Well, it turns out Dan in Michigan... Apparently hasn't figured out when you call in and answer the question specifically, you got to get in. Dan, educate us all. Dan, what were the Cowboys trying to accomplish? Well, Harry and Fitz, let me tell you. Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy were playing with house money. They know deep down inside Jerry Jones isn't going to fire them because he's the puppet master. He's pulling their strings, and as long as they do what he says, they will go nowhere. So mm-hmm. what is that? Mm-hmm. So that's why they ran the last play that way? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Okay. 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 Dan. Thanks. Ooh. Thanks for hanging on, Dan. I feel bad. Dan. I made. I made Dan hang on to what? the commercial break. I made oh, Dan wait. Dan. I thought we were going to get an exes O's. Like it's a hook and ladder attempt using like oh, a four hundred and fifty-two pound. Dan, we love hearing from the people, but oh, Dan, it was your time. It was your moment. Yeah. It was your moment, Dan, and I think you may have dropped a moment yeah, right I mean, before your eyes. The, the, in your ears. The lights dimmed in the arena. The spotlight went straight to Dan in Michigan. He had the microphone in his hand, and it was his turn to, to sing Wrecking Ball. And you know instead, what? The moment just, was too big. Yeah. Dan pissed down his leg. Not wasn't ready. Not everybody can handle it. I mean, Dan. Pissed down his leg. Wasn't ready for the moment. Dan, we appreciate the call. I hope you keep trying. Like, just keep trying. <laughs> Devin's like, we are, you know, we genuinely appreciate it, Dan. We, we in Michigan. keep it real that was, on this show. That was, a, that, that was an attempt. Uh, so basically they just ran a last play that was a joke because they know they're not going to get fired. That's that's some logic. All right. Uh, we need to apply some logic to what we're going to see this weekend because we get Brady. We get Brady. Good Lord. I'm Whoa, just rewinding times. Out. We get Mahomes taking on Burrow. And it leads this whole kind of conversation, right, about uh, where these two quarterbacks are and and where the league is. But, man, I'm telling you right now, Harry, I'm, I'm watching this. And, I, oh, okay, mm-hmm. Harry, if you're watching this in the app, you should be mm-hmm. watching it right now. Harry has gone full costume change. Harry's now wearing sunglasses. And tell the people what you're holding, Harry. I'm holding two grapefruits. Okay. And this morning I thought it was very imperative that I wrote Joe on one of the grapefruits and Burrow. On the other one. Because that's how he's walking around, ladies and gentlemen. He's walking around with two grapefruits. You want to know why? When I watch him in the pocket and how he maneuvers and how he dissects things and reads coverages but throws the football on target, you know, for his receivers, his tight ends, his running backs to catch the football, I'm very, very impressed. And I said this before the weekend started, though, Fitz. Let me put these grapefruits down now. I said this. If... There's any human being out there coaching up quarterbacks 
the teaching tape that you need to coach these quarterbacks off of is the quarterback play in the tape that we have seen from Joe Burrow. Two hands always on the football in the pocket. And it was numerous of occasions yesterday where I'm like, oh, man, is Joe going to hold the football too long? Nope. He immediately throws it to his check down, throws it to his backs before the defense can really react. And the reason why I have these sunglasses on, too, because, see, this is how Joe Burrow walks into the stadium. Doesn't matter if it's at home. Doesn't matter if it's away. But the man doesn't care. And I said this multiple times. He doesn't care if it's Tom Brady. He doesn't care if it's Josh Allen. He damn sure don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes because he's 3-0 versus Patrick Mahomes. And I'm so looking forward to this football game because a lot of Bills fans gave me hell Friday on Twitter when I talked about how the Cincinnati Bengals should be upset because they got to go play this game up in Buffalo. Because what I seen transpire in that first matchup that, you know, didn't get resumed is that I seen a Cincinnati Bengals football team and I seen a quarterback in Joe Burrow that was not going to be denied no matter what transpired, no matter what happened. And what he just showed us at Buffalo, in which Josh Allen at home since he became a starting quarterback, has been undefeated until Joe Burrow went into Buffalo. And see, they had a little video before the game of Joe Burrow in, in pregame warm-ups where he threw a football, right, and he spit around while the ball was in the air. That told me everything I needed to know right then and there, that it was going to be a long day for the Buffalo Bills, and it was a long day for the Buffalo Bills. So a lot of y'all probably asking, who am I going to pick in this matchup? when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll say this to you. I'm, pitching, I'm picking Patrick Mahomes against everybody except Joe Burrow. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I just told y'all who I'm, who, I, who I'm going for. I'm going for the Cincinnati Bengals because I think the way Joe Burrow is playing the quarterback position is like no other right now in the National Football League. Okay, so a couple of things here. Number one, most importantly, why do you look so cool with sunglasses on? On, on, on and, and like I put mine on, I, 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 it doesn't work for me. Like a, like Harry sits there, looks like he could go like pilot a, a fighter jet. I put it on, and I look like I should drive your Uber. So it does. I don't know what's happening here. I number, get it from my mom and daddy, man. I get it from my mom and daddy. There's no lie. Uh, but number two about this. Look, if you're telling me today I got to pick between Mahomes and Burrow, knowing that to, to start my franchise with, knowing that I spend twice a year uh, curled up in the fetal position, scared of what Patrick Mahomes is going to do to my beloved Raiders, I have so much respect for who he is as a quarterback. I'm taking Burrow right now, and part of it is just the style that he plays the game with. Like you mentioned, uh, sort of the poise. You mentioned the calm. I, I keep seeing him get just absolutely obliterated behind a bad offensive line, and it never mm-hmm. seems to change his demeanor. He never t- turns on a teammate. He never seems to be worried about what the guys in front of him aren't doing. He just gets up and gets to another play. There's never this frustration. He's got the cool of Joe Montana mixed with some of the sort of ability to move around the pocket that I I remember watching from Elway mixed with the ability to make any throw from anywhere that Marino had. Like My crush on Burrow is so huge right now because frankly, he's a little bit of everything that you want for the best at the quarterback position. And then he says stuff like this with Tracy Wolfson after the game when he's asked about, you know, how he feels and everything going on he gives you these sound bites that remind you he's also the coolest person in the room 
We talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling y'all, ladies and gentlemen, y'all better leave Joe Burrow alone. Stop playing with him. I'm telling you. The boy, listen, the man hotter than fish grease. Leave him alone, it, ladies it, and gentlemen. If you doubted him, stop doubting him. And Fitz, I'll tell you this. And a lot of people want to know, what's at stake for Joe Burrow this year? Like, what, what, what's on the line for me? That number one quarterback position. Because right now, I will tell you, when I look at the totality of everything, has Joe Burrow, in my eyes, surpassed Patrick Mahomes? It's hard for me to say yes, because... Patrick Mahomes has won an MVP. He's probably going to be MVP again this season. But also, Patrick Mahomes has been to two Super Bowls, and he won one. Now, if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes this week and goes on to win a Super Bowl, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a new number one in my eyes at that quarterback position in the National Football League, and it will be Joe Burrow. I mean, for me, right now, it's already happened. All I need is Burrow to go out and do what I think Burrow is going to do. And it's going to be just fine. Sure, if Mahomes goes out and outplays him, then that's another chapter in this book and we'll continue to evolve it. But for me, right now, today, if, if, if we stop everything today, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? I, I, I love Burrow. I love everything about the way he plays the game. And, and that takes nothing away from what Mahomes does. I mean, I think we're talking about two incredible players that are 1A, 1B right now, right? We're talking about two amazing yep. guys that you can build the whole league around. You're talking about two personalities that can make every throw and make every dynamic play and can take every hit. And these are all things that are very, very true. It just, and and the, the Bengals, I don't want to get this twisted. The Bengals are not one of these teams that are doing everything with nothing. The Bengals are out here with a really good roster and an epic quarterback. And when you combine those two things, when you have a really good roster and an epic quarterback you're a Super Bowl caliber football team to me I, I this isn't just about the Bengals and the Chiefs today this to me is about the Bengals the Chiefs and the Bills are squarely much like we saw from the Colts and the Patriots oh, for a I'll generation they're gonna be taking each other on let me add this I'm wondering if the Buffalo Bills can ever get to a Super Bowl when you have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow at the quarterback position in the AFC for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Was this year their greatest opportunity to get there? Was last year their greatest opportunity to get there? But I also would tell people this. You can't just say the Buffalo Bills would have made it to the Super Bowl last year if they got past Kansas City. Because guess who they still had to meet in the AFC Championship game? Joe Burrow. Joe Grapefruit Burrow, it's, it's why It's why this whole era... Joe Grapefruit Burrow, baby. It's why this whole era, to me, can't just be about Super Bowls. It just can't. Like I, know, like, I know we only like to talk about Super Bowls, but when you have great players like Mahomes and Burrow taking each other on constantly, you're going to win some Super Bowls, you're going to lose some Super Bowls, there's going to be freak classic endings to crazy games. The, looking at the whole context of it, we're just in a, we're in a golden era that reminds me exactly of what we just watched with Manning and Brady, and I'm here to appreciate every ounce of it. The best of the divisional round and the worst coming up. Plus, why Mike McCarthy is not the coach Cowboys fans should be blaming. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From the top stories in sports. Guys, huge news over here. To the bottom. This is it. Rock bottom. This is Three Up, Three Down with Fitz and Harry. Oh, 
yeah, the music just hits all your no-no places, makes them say yes, yes. It's time for three up, three down. Going to get you some of the best action from over the course of the weekend. Harry's going to give you the positives. I'm going to give you the negatives. We'll pick one thing, three things each. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, you ready? Yes, I'm ready, bro. Why don't we get this thing rolling? Number one. Number one for me. They say it's Henny everything. And I'm not talking about the dark liquor drink. I'm talking about Mm. Chad Henny, the class Mm. of 2008. My draft classmate coming into the game. Because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Let a 98-yard drive that finished with a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. So, young kids, parents, teach your kids to stay ready so they don't have to get ready. I Give love, me everything, baby. I love the fact that he was drafted in the same draft as you. I mean, why aren't you still in the, Okay, let me go to my uh, – you went up. I'm going to oh. go down. One down, and oh, this man. is something that we talked about consistently over the last several weeks. The Bills tackling on defense. like, And I know we're in snow. I get it. I'm not a total idiot despite, despite popular perception. I get that it's not easy to tackle in snow. But it's amazing how the Bengals were more capable of doing that. The Bills just sort of – the, the footing issue only exacerbated a problem they've had a lot, which was their ability to gang tackle anybody in the process. Huge part of that game. I'm down on their tackling. Let's go to the next thing. Number two. Number two for me as an up would be the Philadelphia Eagles and the way they rushed the football. It didn't matter if it was Miles Sanders, if it was Gamewell, if it was Jalen Hurts. Anyone who had a rush in this game was effective. They rushed for 268 yards and three touchdowns in the route 38, I think it was 38-7 to versus the New York football Giants. So shout out to everyone who rushed the football and also that offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They're back. Oh, I like that. Uh, for my second down We've been talking a lot about him, but you're not safe out of this segment either, Kellen Moore. Like, this isn't just about the fact that the play calling was bad, and I think the play calling at times was bad. I mean, you're talking about second and two, and you've got a quarterback that's imploding, and you're sitting here throwing the football. Like, you've got two great running backs for a portion of the game. You're not really utilizing them. Let's talk about the last play of the game. The laundry list is huge, and and I'm, I sat there the whole game saying, how did this guy get a head coaching interview? I, I understand that at times things go awry, but I said last week that Dan Quinn had to be great with the defense. He was again, and I said last week Kellen Moore had to be creative, and Dak Prescott had to be very good. Well, Dak wasn't good. Kellen wasn't creative. I'm looking squarely at the young offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore saying, you, you, sir, did not do your job well enough, which is a shame in a game that was super close. So that's my second down. You got one more for us that's up, Harry? Number three. Ooh. Number three. Last but not least, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to go with Brock Purdy. Got that went 19 for 29, 214 yards. But for me, it was more so the throws at the right time that he had to make, he actually made. He outplayed Dak Prescott, another guy who's making $40 million a year to make the plays in which we see him do not do. But it was for me, it was Kyle Shanahan doing something this previous game, this game right here in the previous one that I've never seen him do with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's put the game in the quarterback's hand. He did it last week. He did it this week when I thought the 49ers were just going to run the ball and grind the clock out and and do it that way. No. He said, you know what? We believe in Brock Purdy. There you go, young man. Be great. I'm a Brock double- Purdy was great. I, I got a question for you on that one, though. Like, Did mm-hmm. it not surprise you in the fourth quarter? It felt like as well as I just said the Cowboys defense played, and they did play well. Mm-hmm. In the fourth quarter, 
The number of times Kyle Shanahan was finding creative quick slants, it was amazing to me just to watch guys constantly open for five, six yards on all these little over the middle, over the middle, quick slant, over the middle. And the Cowboys had no answer for it. Brock Purdy did a great job changing his arm angle at times to get the ball around the defensive lineman. But it felt like that was he was on fire with those particular throws and the Cowboys had no answer. That was shocking. But that's what shift. Uh, shifting and motioning would do to your pre-snap. It just gives the defense that much more to think about before the ball is actually snapped. And before you know it, boom, the the receiver or running back, the tight end has ran their route and the ball is on them. So it's too late now yeah. at that point. There were a couple of times where even on the TV broadcast, they kept saying, why are you letting him get inside leverage? It's just a beautifully designed Sounds game plan. Good. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> exactly. than a lot of people expect. I, I love that. I mean, I'm sitting there saying, stop the slant, realizing that I can say that all day. It doesn't mean that it can easily happen. I have one more down for you. Uh-oh. Playoff games not in the snow. Look, I, I, look. if it was my favorite team, I would never want to watch a playoff game in the snow. I, I it, it is a variable. But when you don't have a dog in the fight, you don't care who wins or loses, is there anything better? No. Than a playoff game in the snow. Like, you you take that, that Bills-Bengals game, and as ugly as the game was overall, I was watching every single sna- second of it, every single snap of it, because you put a playoff game in snow, and it just feels better. It feels sensual in the snow, Harry. I'm all in. Uh, are you in on playoff games on the snow? I do. Okay. I used to actually love playing in the snow, but... And here's the difference between that game. That field is actually played on... Tur- like has It's turf. The game is played on turf. So it's a difference from playing in snow when the ground is slick and wet and you, you're playing on grass versus playing on turf. Now, it wasn't as bad as we probably see a lot of these games that are played on grass when it snows or, or the ground is really, really wet. Yeah, I was thinking about you because you've always been really smart in educating me about what they have to do from a training staff and the equipment manager for the cleat length and all of that stuff. Like, uh, I thought that was an interesting development early in the game. By the way, speaking of interesting uh, developments, Josh Allen, Bill's quarterback, this is breaking, at his press conference was asked about his elbow injury. Check out the question and the response. We don't think operation is necessary at this time. And um, obviously rest and and recovery is going to be really good for it. How impactful was it since the injury to the end of the season in your performance? Uh, I mean, there was a, a period obviously right after for a few weeks where it was pretty bothersome, but again, it didn't affect me all that much. Just kind of felt like maybe I was trying to throw it a little differently mechanically, I had to change a few things um, and, and got away a little bit from um, you know how, I, how, I used, how I'm used to throwing the ball and uh, that's just kind of a byproduct of that. But, again, it didn't didn't affect me too much. I think, Harry, this is a reminder of the wear and tear that goes into some of these quarterbacks' bodies. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't hear a single – before anybody starts with excuses, none of that. Josh Allen answered a very straightforward question about his elbow, but it's a reminder that even he, through the greatness of he's played through sometimes this year, has had his own physical issues. They're dealing with a lot. Yeah, and I think he, uh, you look at when he got hurt from the lack of protection, the lack of physicality. Don't worry, we're going to get into it. And also, that hit that he took from Mike, Mike Hilton on a blitz, in which no one seen, uh, and Mike Hilton was the only one that knew he was coming, and no one from Buffalo did. I don't think that helped his elbow out at all, at all either. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept thinking, too, about just the blood on his elbows, even in the snow, from the times he was just slammed down to the ground. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. What's next for the Cowboys? Their season is over, but now what? And does Dak actually need to change his scenery 
to be great? We'll answer that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer Harry oh, my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm, down, I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you gotta use a K. Respect. That's why I care. That's what I did. Respect. The respect. With some I, respect. I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but uh, you know, I'm gonna keep trying. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about us. We don't care who's favored, who's not. We're built for this. I wouldn't say we overlooked, you know what I'm saying? It's just the disrespect they gave us, you know what I'm saying? We don't really care how they treating us and how they going to do us. Joe's a killer, man. You got nine at the helm, you know, anything's possible. Windows my whole career. It just feels like it's setting up to be a rivalry for a generation. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Now, obviously, things change every year in the NFL, and you can't count on anything. But right now, early on, it feels like we can count on this annual matchup between two young greats at the quarterback position. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance and our Wolfpack Crows by one, the great Lewis Riddick joining us, ESPN NFL analyst. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Joe Burrow. Give us your initial impressions of what you saw from Burrow this weekend, Lewis. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm sure there's a lot of people who call Joe Joe cool, but that's what he was. Even during the lead-up to the game, you never heard any stress in his voice, any worry in his voice. And, he, and, I, and I believe he means that. It, and it's not something that's just a show for him. He, he believed that the young guys, that the three of, you know, the, the, the guys who were replacing the starters with three-fifths of them being out, that he believed that, look, we will manage them in a way that they'll be able to come off the ball in the run game, get comfortable. I'll be able to get the ball out of my hands quickly until they get a good feel for how this pass rush is looking, what their matchups feel like, whether or not they're going to have any kind of exotic pressure packages. And then once they settle in and I start slicing and dicing this secondary up, everything's going to start rolling. And that's exactly kind of like what happened in the game. I mean, he came out early on through the football with great accuracy in that bad weather where you mean, Harry, you see this. I mean, these guys, these receivers are running, just running circles around the DBs, and, and offenses obviously have an advantage. But it's the way that they were catching the football because of the fact that it was put right on them. It was almost as if Joe Burrow was down there walking up to him and handing it to him. And so I'm sitting there going, nothing makes this guy rattled. And then the offensive line starts coming off the ball. Then Joe Mixon starts running it down your throat. Samaji Pirine is stoning people in pass protection. And I'm going, see – that all stems from the fact that this kid from day one, since he got drafted there and was getting the tar beat out of him as a rookie, never complained, never pointed a finger, never said, I want the hell out of here. Maybe I should have just, you know, forced my way out of not being drafted by Cincinnati. He never said a word other than, yeah, 
here we come. We're going to keep improving. We're going to play our best game. He kept throwing his support behind his guy. He is, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is this, Jason. He's a franchise quarterback in every sense of the word. And as Fat Joe says, yesterday's price is definitely not today's price. And when he gets paid, it's going to be a lot of money. A lot of money. I love that form. I just love that form. Lewis, and the crazy thing about it for me, though, Lou, is because, you know, a lot of people, they're going to try to mimic and be like, hey, you know what? Let's find out Joe Burrow. Let's try to make this quarterback like Joe Burrow. But what they don't understand, Lewis, and I was taught this early on as a kid, either someone has it or they don't have it. It's nothing that you can coach to make them have what Joe Burrow has. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, mean, we both know that a lot of – your competitive DNA, your makeup, your football character, the it factor, whatever the hell you want to call it, is inherent. It's intrinsic. No one had to teach you how to be that way. You didn't have to watch anybody. You just kind of went about developing it, and it came out when people would test you in the most pressure-packed of moments. And Joe just looks like that. Joe's been through the fire. Joe's had to, like, move around a bit. in order to find his niche, you know, when he goes from Ohio State down to LSU, where, you know, people are are doubting him. He's saying, you know what, I just need to find the right spot, man. I just need to find the right spot. I just need to get somebody to give me the shot. Because once I get it, that's it. That's it. It's over. And then all of a sudden the price is going to go up. At every stage of my life the price is going to go up because I'm going to keep showing people, hey, look, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And what does he do? What does he have, 50 touchdowns that last year at LSU, throwing the football to Jamar and Justin? And then he comes into the pros, he's getting beat up, he's not complaining, he's still dealing, he's still dealing. And now, now it's like, man, you can take out his whole damn offensive line. You know, the guy, with, Jamar doesn't play parts of this year, what happens? T. Higgins becomes the man. Well, Louis, that, that's, like that's why I now. said on, that's well, why I said like, on well, first take. I said on first take last week, uh, Louis, that him being down three offensive linemen, to me, didn't matter because he went through that last year. He went through not having the protection yeah. and still was able to make yeah. a Super Bowl. See, that, that's, the, that's the cool thing about him is that he really is he, – he really gets the game from a quarterbacking standpoint. He gets the game from a leadership standpoint, meaning, hey, even if I did in my quietest of moments have doubts about I don't know if this guy is as good as the next guy, you know, I – I don't know if Carmen's as good as Jonah Williams, but you know what? I'm going to get that ball out so quick anyway that Jackson's going to feel like, hey, okay, I'm good. Joe, Joe's, Joe's looking out for me. Now I'm going to come down here on this double team and drive this three technique all the way across the field and get, you know, and get my footing, get my bearings in this game. Then I'm going to settle in and pass pro. And see, that's all because Burrow is managing the whole situation but you know, with his mind and with his football IQ, and instilling these guys with confidence, and not every quarterback can do that. So, so what, what do you? With, what did we just see with Dak yesterday? Right, he couldn't do it. That so, same kind of thing. He couldn't do it. But, but then, what do you do? Because here's what what blows my mind, Lewis. Everything you're saying, you can feel. Like I was at the SEC championship game, the national championship game. You could feel that Joe Burrow was built different. What do you do when you look around and you realize that your quarterback might not be that guy? What do you do when you can't find that intangible it factor out of the guy that is your quarterback? Well, the one thing I will say, Jason, is this. I think we – and I and I know that scouts don't do this. 
by and large. But we can't always feel as though if you don't have Joe Burrow, then your quarterback sucks. Mm. And that you just need to kind of cut him and find the next guy. If he doesn't have, if he's not Joe Burrow, cut him and find the next guy. So to answer your question, what do you do? You have to manage the situation. Meaning it has to be one of those situations where you build the team strong down the middle, up front on the offensive line. You have to draft well as far as your perimeter playmakers. You have to be able to play the kind of football that whatever the situation calls for, meaning if the quarterback's not on or the passing defense and the pass rush is too good for this guy to handle like a Joe Burrow can, then we can turn around and hand it off. Look, that it obviously makes it infinitely harder in order for you to hit that sweet spot as a team builder when you don't have Joe who can make up for so many things. But you know what? That's life. That's the way it goes. That's kind of like what it means to be a GM. And let me tell you something, right? The San Francisco 49ers are doing it right now. Mm -hmm. They're doing it right now. They're coaching their way through this with Brock as he continues to get better. And the one thing I don't want to put out there is, like, Brock Purdy, like they're winning in spite of Brock Purdy. No, that's not true. That's not true. They may not be winning because of him because the same way Cincinnati is, but he's no throwaway. And, what, and, I, and I guess what I'm saying is you can win without Joe. He makes it a hell of a lot easier, clearly, but you can win without him. It just means you're going to have to be on it and be hitting it as far as all of your transactions or a lot more of your transactions when you don't have Joe Burrow as opposed to when you do. Yeah, it raises a million questions, and none of it's an exact science. If it was, uh, every team would have a great quarterback. Lewis Riddick, man, we appreciate your time and your insight as always, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. You got it, dude. All right, see you. Uh, You know, everything he just said speaks to one situation we've been talking about all day. You're talking about it factor. You're talking about that drive. You're talking about that thing that quarterbacks have. Do Mm -hmm. the Cowboys have that guy? We're going to answer that next. Do they have enough to win without that kind of quarterback? Fits an area on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Brent Maher for the extra point. Left hash. The kick is blocked. Slant over the middle to Turpin. He's tackled immediately, and this game is over. And so is the Cowboys' season. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. Dak Prescott cannot have turnovers in this game. Dak going to throw out left. Intercepted! He has to be decisive with his decision making. Here's Prescott back. Has time. Throws out left. Intercepted! Ball got tipped up and taken by Fred Warner. Does Dak need to play his best game for Dallas to win? Yes. No. He does. So he, Yes, he so does. he's got to play that game to win? So you're telling me the previous seven games that Dak Prescott played before that moment, we can see that Dak and they can beat the San Francisco 49ers who it's, have the best defense in football, Dan? you telling me that. You're Harry, telling me we can no, see Dak Prescott no, I'm not play telling the level you that, that Harry. he played before the, game, the playoffs and they can win against the San Francisco Harold, 49ers. But so he can, be mediocre. he can be mediocre and they can beat the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't America's say he can be mediocre. Can who be said mediocre that? Who said and that? They can beat the San Francisco 49ers. Who said he could be mediocre? So Tell that, me who. that doesn't have to play great for the, for the Cowboys to win this game? No. This game is over. And so is the Cowboys' season. 105.3, the fan on the call. A little bit of first-take <laughs> reminder of Dan Orlowski going off 
against our Harry Douglas. It's Fitz and Harry. Harry going Douglas, off. Jason I think Fitz. That's the wrong choice. Well, of he was trying to. I mean, he was he was going <laughs> off. Like going off doesn't always mean you're right. Like a Karen can go up to the manager and still go off. Doesn't mean the Karen's right in anything she said. Are you saying Dan's the Karen? <laughs> wow! You just called Dan the Karen. No, I just made a simple analogy about Karen going off at the manager. I want to see the manager. Doesn't mean you're right. It's like that doesn't happen. Like so, you guys got into it in a heated all kinds of way because there was a real conversation about what level we needed to see from Dak and yeah. uh, I think you know maybe the proof is in the pudding Dak was not uh, Dak was not great and the Cowboys lost so. yeah for me it, it, it's the sense of you're going in and playing a football game against the number one defense in football that has pro bowlers all over the football field there's no football team that's going to go into that game and say you know what my quarterback has to play good to beat the San Francisco 49ers because the first thing I would say that is the ultimate disrespect to D'Amico Ryan's the defensive coordinator and that defense and the players that's on that defense and the entire organization. And the statement I was trying to make is that when you have a guy like Dak Prescott, who's turned the football over drastically this season, he had to play great in that game for them to beat the San Francisco 49ers. And now I granted Dak didn't even play good, but you can't sit up here and tell me that Dak could play good and they're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. I don't agree with that either. I mean, for Dak Prescott, great is because Dak can play good and have one interception. But can he play great without turning the football over? Can he make every throw in which if he would have made those throws, the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys would have been in position to succeed and win that game? Versus the number two seed. This all comes down to context, man. For me, like, and I say this too much with us, but we talk about it a lot. A few years ago, there were Steelers fans out there yelling that Mike Tomlin should be fired because he didn't win enough Super Bowls without the context of understanding that those teams were taking on Belichick, Brady, maybe the greatest combination of all time. Like, there's some level to this. To me, what we're losing in all of this conversation about the Cowboys is any context to how freaking good the 49ers are. I I said it Mm -hmm. earlier, I'll say it again. the number five team in the NFC went on the no, road. No, they're not good. They're great. They're, they're great. They, the number five team in the NFC went on the road to take on the number two team in the NFC with the best defense in football. Like this, this should not be a surprise to anybody that Dallas lost. And to say that Dallas could win without everything from Dak presumes that you can be one-dimensional against the best defense in football. I don't understand how anybody makes that presumption. When you're talking about the best, uh, arguably the most talented defense in the NFL, that is arguably the most coached, the best coach defense in the NFL that is inarguably the best defense in the NFL. How are you going to beat them if you are not great all the way around? You say it all the time. Complimentary football, right? Like, the way you're going to beat the 49ers is if your quarterback's on fire, your run game's on fire, and you can manage to try and just a thousand cuts, beat them a little bit here and there. You can't beat them with less than 100% of everybody, Dak included. Well, that, that, that was part of my argument. Like, even Kellen Moore had to be great, yep. in which he wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, because Dak, Dak did his part in messing things up for the 49, <laughs> I mean, for the yeah, Cowboys in their offense. But I, I continuously bring up that second and two at the 18-yard line right before halftime. Just run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. If you gain one yard, use Dak on a quarterback sneak on third and one and potentially, you know, hand the ball right back to him again or throw, throw the ball or pass it right there if you want to. And if you don't get it on third down, you have fourth down again if you don't trust your kicker. 
But them in that moment on second and two through an interception, Dak Prescott, now the San Francisco 49ers go down with a rookie quarterback, in my eyes, who was great when he needed to be and scored a field goal right before halftime. That's- but I don't think by any means any quarterback in the National Football League can go into a game and say, you know what? We're going to be average and be good, and we're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Especially at this level of playoffs. That in the same sentence don't even match to me. Well, and and what you were just talking about was situational football. Like, we always ask quarterbacks to have an understanding of situational football. What about coaches having an understanding of whether Mm -hmm. you're in four-down territory, what this play call means for the next play call, why you're not putting yourself in the best possible situation? Look at the number of times we've seen over the last month we've seen a quarterback sneak or a quarterback draw on third and one or two. where teams are just getting ahead of it. Hey, we're just everybody knows that's coming on fourth. Let's run it on third. There's a situational awareness to the fact that down and distance is something you're trying to navigate with four downs right there. They didn't have that. The Cowboys didn't have that. Now, your quarterback wasn't playing well enough, which handcuffs your offensive coordinator, but those are the moments where your offensive coordinator needs to have a playbook that reads like a choose your own adventure. You remember those choose your own adventure books well, when you were a kid? Like well, turn to I'll page 72? Like use that. I'll tell you this. You have the goal route that CD Lamb called. I need Dak to be great. I don't need him to be good because good completed the pass. I need him to be great and, and put that ball out in front of C.D. Lamb so he can walk in for a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Those are the type of things that I'm talking about. I need him to be great when Michael Gallup hits the corner outside on his move and then hits the post, but Dak Prescott throws the ball far off to the right-hand side instead of across the field. I need him to be great. I need him to not stare down his wide receiver or tight end and deliver the football to his wide open guy so the linebacker doesn't jump it and almost have a pick six. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, you can be good, but can you be great? And for me, going into that ball game, Dak Prescott had to be great in order for the Dallas Cowboys to win that matchup. It, to me, it is wild to think that we would disrespect the best defense in the NFL at any Not level me. at this point. And you're I won't right. do it. 100%. And if the Eagles want to beat the 49ers, guess what they need? They need everybody on offense to play lights out. That's the way you beat the best defense in the NFL. It's not by having anything less than the best, not just from your skill position players, but also, of course, from your quarterback. I don't think that's a hot take. And You won the debate then, and I think the weekend showed even more of that. It's the top two teams in the NFC Championship game. We'll tell you why the Eagles are good enough to do what the Cowboys couldn't do. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, also with you on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 